Welcome, everybody, to a very special installment of the Quest On Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Morris. Charlie, welcome, Charlie, E-Ming. Always a pleasure to have you. Paul, it's been so long since we've spoken. Touches my heart to see your face and hear your voice again. Shirley, uh, from Mexico City, might I add, today is a global podcast. It's really nice to see everybody. Does everybody know everybody? Shirley, uh, I feel like you. Know. Know. Shirley knows Shirley. everybody. Shirley knows E-Ming and Melanie. I know, I know Paul. The last time everybody I knows Paul. Everybody doesn't knows know Paul. Paul. I thought about you, Paul. <laughs> I thought about you last week uh, because I was uh, I was in Paris. While I was there, I was like, first of all, I don't speak French, but I did my best. <laughs> and you know, I tried. They appreciate it when you make an effort. I, I took French in seventh and eighth grade and freshman year. I never did any homework, but I have the foundation. Uh. But I realized, like, damn, why isn't Paul with me? Because not only does not only does Paul speak fluent French, but Paul also wants to say the same things that I want to say. You do realize like, that's the second time you've been to Paris and you said that. Right? It's true. I didn't know that. Like, I forgot that I said that last time. But right. I, I just <laughs> the last time I, you were in I'm Paris. Not gonna, I'm not going to go back there without you because every time I'm in a cafe or something, I always be like, "Blood was taking y'all so long," and I don't know how to say that in French. You know, I need I need Paul Billingsley to be there to be a very, like to confuse them by your Americanness and your French. No, you just think that they've met American assholes many times before. French? Yes. <laughs> Damn. All right. the, the assholes that go to France usually are fluent assholes in French. Yes. Maybe it's not that actually, <laughs> learning French makes them <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank True. you. I uh, I want to treat this, uh, this is our first editorial meeting. You know, last time we had one of these hangouts, we talked about a lot of stuff, just about the organization, and it was just good to see faces. But we wanted to set up a regular Google Hangout so that we could have an editorial meeting, in part in, in the style of the old editorial meetings where, you know, Sandy just talks endlessly about some street artist that she's infatuated with that, that has no connection to any story that she's trying to pitch. <laughs> And then people just take turns yelling story ideas over each other. A little bit more streamlined than that. But I do want to lead with this because uh, this is a a Bay Area news item. We all obviously have Bay Area connections. Uh, Some of us very strong Bay Area connections. Uh, All of us very strong Bay Area connections. I don't know if everybody here knows this, but the hottest meme right now, like the number Ah. one meme in the meme world is, is the Oakland, Oakland Lake Mary girl lady who called yes. police on the Oakland barbecuing while black in Oakland. Come on, yeah. we're all on the curve. Come on. A, a fine summary, Paul. Did everybody else catch that? Is anybody else familiar with Barbecue Lady? Yes. Barbecue Lady made it to Mexico. Oh, wow. Oh, man. So, and they're like, oh, yeah, they brought Festival at the Lake back after that. <laughs> da, 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 da. I was like, I didn't hear about that shit. All right. like, so for uh, our potential listeners who are not familiar with Barbecue Becky, um, that is a damn good name. In in the past week, I didn't coin it. I can't claim to have coined it. Uh, I'm not crazy about using Becky as the catch-all white girl name because I don't even think white girls are named Becky anymore. They're, Lindsay is a much better... If we're going to use a dismissive name, Becky's not the one. It's actually kind of a hangover. Right. Yeah, but it's got the consonant. Any word with a, con- with a cook consonant is going to be sticky. I That's thought it was true. Claire. That's wasn't what she it said. Always, wasn't it always Claire? <laughs> Claire. 
none of us Claire actually have someone we love named Becky that we feel bad about, but I feel like I know nice players. I, let's see, you guys are forgetting Becky. that Becky, Becky comes from Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca. I know a couple Rebecca's. Uh, yeah, it's a very mind. common Jewish name, but we don't call ourselves Becky. I believe. Now, that might be true. I think I've never met a Rebecca that actually called herself Becky. The word, <laughs> the name Becky itself has a troubled history in music in this country. Most recently, Beyonce referenced Becky with the good hair. I think that's kind of what yeah. this is a reference to. But, you know, years and years ago, Sir Mix-a-Lot, on the introduction um, to Baby Got Back, has two white girls talking to each other, complaining about the size of a girl's butt. The white girl I, I trend. There's, there's a whole chapter in Freakonomics about like how these names trickle down. They start off as rich girl names. I mean, got Amber. You know, the the rate with which Amber went from like a private school girl to like a trailer trash name. I, I think that was like a three year turnover. Caden, yeah. man, Caden. Caden is very popular right now. Yeah. Can we please, for our listeners, explain what Barbecue Becky is? Very briefly, a video surfaced online uh, last week of a woman in Oak calling the police on two men, uh, white woman, two black men, having a barbecue in the park in Oak. Um, you know, I, I think the issues are right on the surface, right? Uh, her concern presumably was environmental because they were using charcoal. Uh, in a non-charcoal right? grill. In an uncharcoal grill, which is problematic in some way. Uh, but obviously, there's a lot of other stuff in there going on about, uh, you know, gentrification and how Oakland has changed and this woman's assumptions about these men and her choice to involve the police. Uh, and it could have had a very different trajectory where, you know, we had a conversation about why people call the police and what is implicit bias and all that kind of stuff. Instead, she has become the face of the most popular meme on Instagram and on the internet right now, which is uh, a screen cap from the video of her kind of sad, angry, dour face with her phone pressed to the face calling the police, uh, replaced in the background by a number of scenes from uh, Black history. And they're comedic memes. Uh, people who have yeah, good examples can, can chime in, but there's, you know, one of them is her posing in front of uh, Martin Luther King uh you know, delivering uh, I Have a Dream speech. Another one is her standing in front of the cast of Black Panther calling the police. Another one is her. Um, do other Parks, people have good examples Rosa of this Parks. one? TLC chasing oh, yeah. Yeah. So a, a screen cap from the TLC. My favorite one was um, her at the Last Supper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just fits so well to me. There was a lot of sisters in that room. There's a lot of snitches, a lot of traders in there. It's a couple out of twelve. <laughs> At least like one. one fourth of them is right. Yeah. One fourth of them was come on. Peter, Judas, all of them. But yeah. And you know, it's it, oh yeah, sitting uh sitting on the bench just a couple seats behind Rosa Parks making the call. Uh it's it's really made the rounds. It's made the rounds so much so that many of the memes don't even have barbecue Becky in them anymore. One is just uh, a Native American guy on the phone with a bunch of like white colonialists behind him. He's a little concerned about their activity. Um, it's running the meme circles. Pretty soon it's going to be SpongeBob, Barbecue Becky. Um, <laughs> I've watched these meme cycles very closely. I know how they end. Uh, but I do want to open this up to people who are still living in the Bay Area, people who might be living in Oakland. Uh, I don't know what kind of play this meme is getting there. I don't know how, what kind of play this actual event is getting there. 
Um, so for people who are still, oh, Paul, do you live in Oakland now? Uh, no, I live in San Leandro, but it's close uh, enough. But uh, Leon was there. Leon went, and apparently he says it's going to be a regular event. I'm waiting to see next week. And you're talking about Leon Breckenridge, former young Yes, Leon Breckenridge. You said Leon went to the event. You're talking about there was like a response event after this. Can, can you yeah, they were like, oh, we're about the park? barbecue at the park because they called the police on her for them for barbecue. And apparently a lot of people showed up. So it, it's become like a secondary event now. Quebec, now it's like everybody in Oakland wants to have a barbecue to assert their right to cook meat outdoors. Right. Presumably. And right. whatever else, whatever else that gathering might entail. Right. It's an important human right. It's one of these, one of the things that makes us human. French, Paul, this brings us back to French and uh, Shirley, I know you're a French speaker. I did not know that the French language, that was the first one that they had different words for an animal, whether it was alive or whether you cooked it. Anybody else in the Bay Area getting any read on this? Or Paul, like, is this reflective of anything that's happening in Oakland and how Oakland is changing? Or is this just... Um, it's it's really interesting because, like, a, a lot of it has been going on lately. There's this 415 day thing. I don't know if you guys have heard about that on April yeah, yeah, 15th. Yeah, yeah. Five. And, five and they got five one zero day, right? But um, I don't been to any of them. But people that go are like, yeah, it seems like it's a whole bunch of open cats, or it seems like a whole bunch of Frisco cats. But when I get there, it's hella non blacks. Mm. Interesting. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So they have these. So they have these nativist events in San Francisco. It's called four one five day, which is the right. April fifteenth for the area code for San Francisco, and then Oakland, of course, always got to come with an echo, whatever San Francisco does. Out. So they had. <laughs> shots fired it's an old beef it will never die uh so they on uh, may 10th have their 510 day but you're saying paul that these events although attended by natives uh of san francisco or oakland overwhelmingly uh there is not a black presence there is that what you're saying there's not a large black presence there right? Well, um, well, I'm interested in these, you know, five, four, one, five, and five, one, zero. Oh, those just passed, you know, and I know like everybody I know who was, you know, at those events was tagging it. It, it kind of just looked like another four twenty, right? Um, to be honest, you know, it just happens to be five and that, before four twenty. That is actually a whole different beast. The hippie on uh, the hill. Oh, oh yeah, Kevin Epps made a talk about that. Uh, Did he? About yeah, that's his latest project. Is about hippie hill. Uh, Shirley, I want to ask you, you mentioned that uh, uh, Barbecue Becky has already made her way to Mexico. Please, please explain. Well, it's just that um, it's it, it, it has less to do with any kind of like real consciousness because the way in which racism and classism express themselves here is you're just sharing the meme around. And they did one, they did one meme that was just uh, her calling about a bunch of politicians. We're in the middle of our election. And so it was actually the opposite. She was calling about all of the wealthy politicians um, and worried about what they were doing. And uh, then the other one was obviously the uh, one with the Native American dude. Definitely some people here connected to that. Yeah. Where um, do you get your memes, Shirley? I, I got to know. What's your meme source? Who, who's your who's your dealer? I got a guy who delivers it to my door in Mexico. We don't, <laughs> we don't get our own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, I rely on you guys. I rely, I mean, my relationship to the U.S. now is based on two visits a year and whatever my Facebook friends post. Unfortunately, 
you uh <laughs> and you guys are the ones yikes <laughs> whatever I'm you getting. must have a really skewed perspective <laughs> on the united states right now man i'm sorry well, i don't know i don't know how trump won i mean everybody hates him so i don't understand uh why there's an issue with trump it seems like everyone's <laughs> on that i don't even have bernie bros in my timeline uh, i don't i don't know what wow. i don't know what you guys are complaining about everything seems fine very That's fine. crazy uh, yeah <laughs> they didn't like bernie yeah, no, they, they didn't like, like Bernie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have yet to meet a Bernie bro, but uh, apparently they're a big thing. Yeah, but we don't talk no more. <laughs> <laughs> it's like me with the Pacquiao Mayweather fight. I'm like, yeah, well, whoever wins, you know what I'm saying? But after that day, it's like, oh, no, but I was rooting for Mayweather. If Pacquiao would have won, you never know. <laughs> You got put in a pretty tight spot there, Paul. I, I had not me, kiddo. Either. I won either way. That's true. <laughs> really is kind of a win-win. Who's stronger? I am. Okay. Can we talk about Tupac very briefly? Is everybody open to that? I have a quick question about Tupac. Uh, Tupac is relevant to us for many, many reasons, but perhaps primarily uh, because the right after Tupac died is right when the Beat Within started. That was the first successful Beat Within workshop. Uh, the first thing the kids in Juvenile Hall actually wanted to write about was Tupac. Um, that's why the Beat Within's birthday is September 1996. Uh, Paul and I are both Beat Within alum. Shirley is a Beat Within alum. Uh, Eming and Mel, you guys are Yo alum, so that's a sister project. Uh, but Tupac <coughs> has never, obviously never really gone away. He's uh, it's obviously an iconic figure, but uh, he is a hot topic again because a lot of young rappers now don't like him. And they're very public about how much they don't like him. Uh, a rapper from L.A. named Greedo referred to Tupac as a mark. Uh, which, you know, as they used to say, them's fighting words. I think it's very relevant that I say that his name is not Greedo. His name is O3 Greedo. For the O3? O3, O3? O3 Greedo? in the year... 2003. Okay. I just want to put that out there. That's not not the year he was born. Who knows? Maybe his kid was born. I don't know. Maybe he graduated from high school. Either way. (laughs) But do people call him? I thought everybody just calls him Greedo. No, look it up. When you you read it, it says 03 Greedo. You just thought it was a typo. Uh, I did too. <laughs> I thought it was a uh, it, Well, it, in any case, Greedo is not the first rap to try and pull uh, Tupac off the pedestal. Lil Xan, also an LA rapper, say he was a mark, but he did say his music sucks. He said it was boring music. Um, which, of course, you know, there is like a big generational rift going on in hip hop right now where like old heads are just saying like this new music is not rap music. This is mumble rap. They're very dismissive. It gets more and more heated. Young rappers are like, you know, I don't care what old heads say. I'm doing everything that I can not to become an old head. So I go out of my way to listen to music from artists who have tattoos on their faces and purple dreadlocks and try to pretend like uh, I like it. Um, but this is this is interesting because you know I mean a part of being an artist and being a young person is you got to kill your heroes. But uh, it's, I mean, is this really blasphemous? Is to was Tupac really that great? Like some of this is kind of true. Like Tupac wasn't really a gangster. Like he was an actor. He went to Juilliard. You right. Know, he, right. Uh, he performed in the Nutcracker, and then he and also got, got right. And he 
And he died at what age? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, right, a 20-year-old in 1996 or a 14- to 20-year-old in 1996 is not going to be feeling the same way as a 20-year-old in 2018. That's true. And, I mean, so some of this stuff is valid, right? Like, you know, I I don't know Greedo, but I believe that he's probably more of, like, an actual gangster than Tupac was because Tupac just played a gangster in a movie, Juice. No, I I know. that's That's what I'm saying. Like, they're right. Because when their yeah. standards are worse is better, yes, they're better. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, oh, yeah, he was talking about all this gangster shit, but you didn't really go out and shoot nobody in the head. I really did that, and I'm talking about it on the record. Yeah, that's wild. Although I guess, you know, to be fair to everybody, that was the only reason that people ever took 50 Cent seriously, or the main reason is because they really got shot nine times. They got shot nine times. It's the only thing you knew about. 50 Cent was that he got shot nine yep. times. And, and he's right. And I said it back then. Yeah. I remember I said it back then. I was like, he's bringing this whole gangster shit back. Mm-hmm. It's going to be cool to be a gangster again. It's cool to hang around, mm-hmm. carry around guns and shit. Yeah. But yeah. on the other end of the spectrum, really what I identify with this generation and what my frustration is, is that they're soft. Like Drake is the biggest rapper in the game. Like that's a soft dude. You know? Right. But that's because like, rap is pop now. Yes. Yeah. But that's why it's funny that these guys like want to be gangsters to fulfill the pop shit. You know what I mean? Like you're being a gangster to sell platinum records, not because you're mad. It's it's weird. Yeah. Well, this I mean, this actually happens. I don't know how many of you guys know this, but I work for the public defender's office in Harlem. So a lot of people (laughs) like I have clients who get arrested for a gang assault or they get caught with a gun or something. And they're like, look at your Facebook timeline, everything you say about your blood and, you know, you're going to. You jack this block and you're going to clap these people up. And I've had multiple clients say, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a rapper. I'm just saying that stuff on Facebook as part of my public persona as a rapper. I'm not really from this block. I'm not really from this gang. And I don't think that they're always making it up. I think to no, Paul's point, not. a lot of the no, time. No, 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 right, 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 yeah. right, right. It's, and oh, they, I saw the, him with a gun so, and I'm a cop, so I shot him. That's the, yeah. I'm a rapper, so I said that shit on me. You're really yeah. killing people. You're, you're really yeah. doing that shit. Because, and... That that's like I said, that's the difference. You know what I'm saying? That's the real difference. These motherfuckers is really out here. People that are in Rikers, you feel me, are fucking doing that shit and they're getting housed with adults, and that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested in developing this story. Just I, I think uh, as a first person commentary, just saying like, listen, I'm an old head. I'm trying not to be an old head. Uh, I think that these kids are right about Tupac, but. You know, I think that he was a mark. I think he was soft. Like, I think that being a gangster was a persona that he adopted to sell records and because it was convenient for him and it was fashionable. Um, and not all of his music was that great. And we'll die. We elevate them to an iconic status. I know that's a controversial position, but I'm interested in exploring that in essay form. Well, uh, Nas's the- father was a jazz musician. That's true. Uh, the the guys from Public Enemy they met in college, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys from uh, Run DMC they met in college. Guru uh, was a social worker before he, he went to Morehouse. He went to Morehouse, yeah. right? Guru went to Morehouse, and worked as a Guru social went to worker. And frankly, I'm not interested in in being a first for having had the right, 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 right. you know the, the temerity to grow up middle class. It's just super interesting how none of them, when they tried to rap without a gangster persona, were able to get record contracts. But yeah, that, but that's the oh, thing, though. God. See, because now you have to do it for the shock value. Surely, you got to do it to get the sales. You can't be 
you're not becoming a rapper after you get signed. You're a rapper already, and then you get signed. For some reason, I'm trying to like I'm thinking of. So is Mark Barbecue Becky's boyfriend? Who's Mark? <laughs> oh, Mark. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Another great representation of the Jewish people right there. We have a great date, let me tell you. Are you talking about Mark Zuckerberg? Uh, who are you talking about? No, Mark uh, Mark who got mariachi's kid. Oh! oh no. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that who you're talking about? Well, I, you know, Russell's like, yeah, Tupac is being called a Mark. So I just was trying to, like, make the link here. Mark ah. Bar- yeah. Barbecue. Actually, though. On that same Tupac note, though, Russell, I saw yeah. some shit the other day because of the um, Me Too movement. They found the girl who uh, accused him of rape and interviewed her online. Oh, yeah. I forgot about she that. She was like, yeah, he fucked me and I'm up in the room and they took the pussy and da 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 and she was like, yeah, nobody wow. gave a fuck back then because it was Tupac. And now with the Me Too movement, now it's relevant again, da 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 And I was like, I'm going to tell Well, he did go years. to jail. He was a little rapey. He did get you know, locked up. He was very up. rapey, but he didn't never. Everybody was like, "Oh no, no, not Tupac." He didn't keep your head. Would no. He's <laughs> too like, cute mm-hmm. to be a rapist. <laughs> it is actually pretty funny. How is gangster rap gonna gonna manage the Me Too movement? That's a good question. They're not. I know, Ru- Russell, <laughs> Russell, and I were talking about this earlier. Like the all artists can't survive the Me Too movement. You're gonna have to like delete everybody from Spotify. You gotta burn every damn Picasso. You gotta just. You gotta take all those Picassos off the wall. <laughs> every, every last everything off of every wall, everywhere yeah. that we've ever. And, this is this is actually a convenient segue. Uh, with the dead ones, I don't think we should delete. I mean, even with Louis C.K., like, what about his whole crew that's supposed to be getting loyal royalties off of his shows? They pull his right. shows off. Yeah, you know. And meanwhile, who cares what happens to Louis? His manager's still working, and his manager's got like four or five top female com- comedian clients. Right. You it's know. True. So I mean, the whole thing about I will say this: this goes to Barbecue Becky. This goes to Mark. This goes to the uh, the whole issue around the various people being brought down by Me Too is that Americans just love to have superheroes and supervillains. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're just targeting individuals. We're not paying any attention. And to it goes right up to how we issue. talk about Trump. To the right. systemic issues that are making it possible for this behavior to take place. No, Fire no, no yeah, 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 yeah. I feel you that. Know? I feel that. I felt like that. I was watching CNN the other day. Don't ask me why. But I was watching <laughs> CNN the other day. And I saw this motherfucker, some black girl was like, oh, no, systematic racism, da 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 we all know the story. So she was like, and this dude was like, no, those were black cops that shot somebody. <laughs> she was like, you know, as a former elected official, I think you should, you know, be careful about what you say. Yeah, just because a black person is perpetrating the, the system is the enemy that I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. So it sounds similar type of thing. What's the problem Anything that has the word systemic in it, everybody just falls asleep and changes the right. channel. It's like barbecue <laughs> Becky is so much more fun. Right. Right. Yeah. But well said. That's why Harvey Weinstein is um, getting it now. Bill Bill Cosby has been convinced. Bill Cosby might actually go to jail. He is black. Mm. So I'm not surprised at all. I mean, Harvey Weinstein can get away with it. Hey, do you know the yeah. Pollock. Pollock could get away with this shit, too. OJ did all right. He's out. As long as we're talking about uh, destroying our heroes, 
Um, Spotify has been taking artists' music down, uh, starting with R. Kelly. No, 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 not down, just not on their, like, official um, lists that they create. It's still there, it's just not on, like, stuff that they created, playlist-wise. Yeah, because they're petitioning for uh, Chris Brown. Yeah, all of them. Eming, please explain that for me so, the distinction between the music not being available and the music being like on a playlist so the music is still there it's still on spotify it's just when they create their own playlists of like jams from the 90s is he's not on it kind of thing how are you yeah. gonna have a jams from the 90s playlist without our i know that's what i'm saying there you <laughs> go. stuff like that so it, it is nobody on spotify has put a rape a 90s rapist playlist yet that's those no, 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 no. They have Michael Jackson already. Sure. No, but I mean, they were talking about, about de- developing a playlist for the quest. <laughs> a rapist playlist. Getting raped in the nineties. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'd listen. <laughs> oh my god! I'm just curious. Some PhD dissertation that could maybe talk about how people sublimate sexual aggression into beats. I mean, just the, I don't think anyone should profit. I think that living people who commit crimes should not be profiting off of their work necessarily. But the idea of going after the work itself because of what people did is insane. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to give people, I mean, as, as spirited as this conversation is, and thank you all for getting us to the point that we want to make an all rapist playlist. Uh, I do want to open it up for story ideas and pitches. I don't know if people have ideas, but this is an editorial meeting. Uh, Shirley, I know that you've been talking about developing content for a while. Do you have I mean, work on something you want to pitch, something we need to put in the queue? I think one thing that I'd like to do, actually, is I'd like to just start a news feed um, under my name where I just post little items here and there with maybe two or three sentences of just thoughts. Because at this point... We can't afford to pay people, and the people that I would ask to write can't afford to take time out to write for anything because they're living off of, you know, whatever they can get. Um, But I would like to sort of just have a little blog of, like, what the view is from this side. And less than story ideas, I actually just really wanted to know from you guys. You guys, Paul, you might not know, but I work, I spend a lot of time working with people that have been recently deported. Although actually most of them were not recently deported. Most of them were deported under Obama um, and have been here for long enough that they now have started doing all sorts of interesting ways of fighting for their rights in Mexico. And they say to themselves, ni de aquí, ni de allá, because they don't belong anywhere. And um, the Mexicans very often look down on them because they were the one of the gringos and they abandoned Mexico and now they want to come back. And plus they come back, they walk differently. They talk differently. Um, and so they, they don't get, they don't fit in here. They don't fit in there. But one of the, they're like, is, they're like opposite Chicanos. They're like bizarro world Chicanos. <laughs> instead of, yeah. being, instead of being too Mexican for America, they're too American for Mexico. No, that's no, exactly no, it's it. Right. It's, but it's, people it's, be saying that about the north and the south. They'd be like, we go down there. We ain't Mexicans down there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, they're, and they're also doing really interesting work. And it's it's cool. But one of the things that um, that most of them have been separated from their children. And that's what's really going on. Most of them are dealing with mad trauma because they, they've been taken away from their kids. But there was a guy today that I talked to who... He is he's internalized the shame about being, quote unquote, illegal so deeply that when he got deported, he and his nine year old son 
uh, they really love Legos. He told his son that uh, he was moving to Mexico to work in a Lego factory. Um, yeah. Wow. So I was, I, I know, well, and hate his dad. I mean, this is, it's interesting that his dad actually thinks that that is a better answer for a nine-year-old boy to have than, but this is actually something that has to do with, uh, we have some privileges from just being in the Bay Area. This guy grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. And I guess the hate messages are pretty constant in school, all day long, on TV. And so there's deeper shame. And then there's also deeper stigmatization for the kids. Right. So my entire perception of what's happening in the U.S. is all skewed through both because of what my Facebook feeds look like and because of the people I talk to is all skewed through this very, very clear sense of how terrified uh, Mexicans are in the U.S. And I'm not even going to try and think about how scared Guatemalans and, and Hondureños and people from Central America must be. Um, but they certainly are treated badly here. I mean, Mexico's Mexican complain about how Mexican Americans are undocumented Mexicans are treated in the US, but that's nothing compared to how badly Central Americans are treated down on the southern border. And there's a hypocrisy within the country about not knowing it. And the most interesting and amazing and inspiring deportees from the US are the ones who, as far as they're concerned, if you got no paper if you don't have papers, then you're a citizen of my country. And my country is a country that doesn't exist yet, but I want to build with you. But in the meantime, I look at what's happening in the US and I just wonder how here everyone just calls it like Nazis, the Holocaust is happening again. We're right there. We're watching it happen. Is that how people talk about it up north? Is that how people talk about uh, deportation? And, yeah. Like, ice, ice the fact that and stuff? The hiding, the fact that the detention, I mean, part of the thing is that it's not just they want to deport, it's that they want to put them in the private detention centers because the private prison contracts were losing all of their stocks. And so the idea is, you know, now they can't fight their cases anymore from outside they get locked up while they're fighting their cases this is about four prison profits right yeah so, i mean I that's, rather I, profit prisons, my bad. that's part of the narrative i mean this comes up a lot more recently for me professionally obviously because we are a public defense organization mm-hmm. um ice has been doing a lot more uh in the criminal courthouse right like they if they know they need to find people and they, they know that someone's going to show up for their court date so what uh-huh. they do is they hang out outside of arraignments or they hang out outside a certain court part until someone shows up. And then once the judge calls their name, they confirm who they are. And then on their way out, they arrest them. You know, thankfully, it's New York City. So even the district attorney's office is sympathetic to concerns like this. So they're willing to um, come up with resolutions for a case that doesn't that don't involve felony convictions, that don't involve state time, that wouldn't trigger ICE, but presumably every other municipality or the majority of municipalities in the country are not making deals like that. Most district attorney's offices, district attorney I offices. I feel like that's what happened in, in San Francisco with your boy that popped a girl on the pier. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. uh, apparently he got in hella trouble. Like the, uh, the dude was prosecuting and shit got in hella yeah. trouble because he, whatever, but. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I was like, I think he did that shit on purpose. Yeah, I mean, you know that became a national it, story. It be a yeah. sanctuary city, like you're saying, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It came up. Uh, yeah, so it goes both ways, right? If people are willing to make those kind of concessions, you know, with police departments or district attorney's offices, all it takes is one case like that for everybody on the right to freak out and say like sanctuary cities are outrageous. This is why people are getting killed. You know, it's like, a, what was the family that the 
Trump brought out on stage at the RNC of the like the parents of a woman who was killed by a drunk driver who was undocumented. I was like, this is so far removed from the issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, my point is, I think similar to something that Shirley mentioned, and and Shirley, you mentioned our colleague uh, Roberto Lovato some time ago, um, mm-hmm. because he talks a lot about how bad Obama was for immigrants, and you know, I I, I definitely don't want to be like, oh yeah, you know, I was I, I was advocating for uh, you know immigrants before it was cool, but there is something <laughs> to be said for the fact that like most progressive people who now are like completely outraged at Trump's immigration policies were like pretty chill when Obama was deporting people and he deported a lot of people. Now mm-hmm. he deported more people than a little bit, I heard. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> really, like, really terrible. Know, like people, right. people in those circles, like people who do that kind of advocacy work, like in my office, we had one of our immigration attorneys come and give a presentation for us. Like once Trump was in office and these new policies were coming down, everyone's like, oh, we have to be updated about the policies. And this immigration attorney is a woman who's been doing this work for, you know, whatever, 15 years. So she was like, this really isn't that different. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) like this is very similar to what we've been dealing with, what we dealt with under Obama. Um, I think the difference is I think people now are more afraid to leave their houses. That's the problem is that people are afraid to go like, you know, for example, there was a big labor victory where the fines are so high for sending ice to people who are trying to start a union that people stop doing it. But now I have a friend who works in labor work, specifically with undocumented workers in California. People are scared to come out. Um, So I think what it is, it's not that the policies themselves have changed per se as much, but the degree to which ice, one thing ice was complaining and chomping at the bit the entire time under Obama because Obama wasn't letting them do their jobs the way they wanted to. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that was different. He deported a large number of people, but he also kept ICE restrained. And right. now and now you've got local governments prosecuting people in Arizona as aiding and abetting criminals for leaving water for people in the desert. Right. Right. So I think that as much as as much as I agree it's important to know it started with Obama, we shouldn't uh, ignore the sea change in how these things are being prosecuted now. Now they they are tripping out here too. Though. For a minute, it it'll be like different stuff. I heard about Arizona; they were just randomly pulling over Mexicans or Latins. It's like, hey, yeah, not nah, oh no, nah, we gotta check your ID. But uh, in Santa Rosa, they was cracking down on like food vendors. Mm-hmm. It was like they were stripping people of their cash like on the street. And either there's show a... up, and then like ice would trip. You feel me? Either there's no longer any domestic abuse within the Latino community, or they just stopped reporting it. People are too well. I mean, to report. we talk about that a lot because uh, it, cynically, if you really think about why the district attorney's office in these cities and why the police department is are willing to have sympathetic policies for uh, undocumented people, it's because they want them to snitch. You know, um, like they want more snitches, right? So, and if you're worried about, you know getting uh, deported, if you contact the police, then you're not going to snitch on anybody. I use that phrase very loosely. Uh, they want more people to, they want more people to cooperate with the police. They want a more engaged uh, citizenry. Yes. Yes. And and this came up recently. I did. I, uh, in New York, that's a bad word. <laughs> yeah. 
but that's why they want to do it. And I, you know, and maybe that there's something to be said for public safety, you know, for the example of, you know, domestic abuse, for instance, right? Like, are there a lot of women who have to stay in an environment that's unsafe because they're afraid that, that if they contact the police that, you know, they'll be deported, right? That there, there's a real argument for that. Um, this came up recently as a joke uh, with a colleague. I am a, I'm a John Jay fellow right now uh, writing writing stories about uh solitary confinement and one of the women uh the other journalist was a woman an asian woman and she like stood up and said oh yeah you don't like she made some joke about how like you don't see a lot of asians in prison or something like that you know uh and then she talked more seriously about it and about the fact that like oh yeah it's just like a cultural thing it's like we just don't we don't call the police Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like no matter what's going on like no no matter how deep the beef is, it was, it was a home invasion robbery. You know, it's like, ah, you know, it's like such an insular community. Uh, and she was speaking in broad terms, obviously. But, um, you know, it's it, to your point, Shirley, about like the risk of people not reporting crimes. Uh, you know, big. there's a long history of that. No, no, no. It's yeah. big everywhere. It's yeah. Big. You to welcome Charlie. What up, Charlie? Hey, you. Hey, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Charlie. Charlie, you just... You didn't really miss anything Typical except a really. No, we talked about right. barbecue and wild. We black, talked about barbecue, you know, Becky. You you missed you missed the barbecue, you, Becky. You know, I, I really would have. I really would have liked you to chime in on that one. And that is a great conversation to take part in. I'm sure. All right. So I guess what is we talking about now? Uh, I'll bring you up to speed as right quickly as I can. We talked about barbecue, Becky. How she became a meme. Paul started talking about 415 Day and 510 Day, where all these natives get together um, of Oakland and San Francisco, but the, apparently there's no black I don't people. have pictures. I have photos of last year's uh, 415 Day, but mm-hmm. the first two years of 415 Day, I don't have uh, I, I don't have pictures from this year's, but I do have pics from this year's 510 Day. You're not going to see uh, as many black people at San Francisco social events that you're going to see is at Oakland social events, just because ain't never been that many black people in San Francisco. But you know, uh, for for uh, I'll say this: what you saw at four one five day was probably representative of the dwindling black uh, San Francisco population. But like right. people showed up. Yeah. Most of the black people I know who moved out of San Francisco no longer stay like anywhere near it. They don't live in Oakland. They don't live in fucking San Leandro. Like, they way up the way. Hercules, shit like that. So, um, Tracy, all that bullshit. So, yeah, we uh, way out the way out here. We It's hard to get, you know, especially since 415 day. It just, it can be a weekday. You know what I'm saying? It's happening in the middle of the day where if you and if you black or a person of color and you still in San Francisco, you probably got multiple jobs trying to be there. You feel me? So you're not you're not going to have no uh, time to really be a part of uh, some of these social engagements like the, the people of color I know who's still in the city. Uh, are either, you know, working two and three jobs trying to stay somewhere or it's two or three families stacked up in their units. So. Well, my point earlier was, you know, 415 is, is dangerously close to 420. And if you're an adult human and you have to budget how many days a week you're going to hang out in the park and smoke weed, probably mm-hmm. one. You got to choose one or the other. I'm going to choose 415 uh, day. You'll choose 415 day. I'm going right. to choose 415 day because, A, 
I can get the spirit, like the spirit of 415 day is kind of what you want out of 420. And you never get that. Like, I think the last time I went to 420 was like two years ago, three years ago. And while Cre- me and Crea was on BART and the bus, like everybody else was from Walnut Creek. So with it there being legal now, is 420 still like a thing? Like oh yeah, it was even, it was even bigger yeah. this year than bigger. last year. Yeah. Oh, they have ran with. But is it like I sponsored hate. by Monsanto or is it like? No. So they they so they do have uh they did have corporate sponsorship for four twenty. Okay. Um, no, they've been at corporate sponsorship next year. The first year they're going to have um, high times going to be a sponsor next year. Wait, Sh- Shirley, did you just say Monsanto? Uh, Monsanto is yeah. getting in the weed game, yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah, Monsanto is definitely Okay, yeah. okay. I mean the government would prefer that Monsanto get in the weed game because they got the infrastructure to grow large amounts of it and pay more taxes. I mean, but it's also gonna probably like turn your lungs purple or some shit like <laughs> the weed here is so uh incredibly weak that I, I wanted to do a called Get a Mexican High, where I would bring my friends from here up north and have them smoke real weed and watch them fall into things. But now it's <laughs> No, it's hysterical. You take one hit and they like boom, you know. Um, but uh, but I don't. Yeah, you I don't can't know. take somebody who's been smoking working man's weed their whole life and, and hit them off with some train wreck. That's no. That's psychotic, man. That's like dosing somebody. It's like giving somebody acid without talking to them about it. First. You know what? <laughs> it's a, it's it is a dramatic upgrade. <laughs> it, it, it is true. To go back last year, but you know Sam Quinones, one of the best reporters on the opium epidemic, he wrote an op-ed being against the, uh, he's against legalizing weed. And he's against it precisely because the THC content is so unregulated. It's bad. Uh, well, I mean... <sighs> You don't regulate THC content, you idiot. What you regulate <laughs> is... Um, I might, I just, to be fair, I might be the idiot. I don't read no, articles. Surely. I mean, you didn't mean you. Nobody might because I didn't read the whole article. You know, I just read the post. Well, this is the problem with legalizing it. In California, we legalized it uh, in, in reference to alcohol. Like, we're like, yeah, it's just like alcohol. So therefore, they're going to treat it like alcohol. They're going to start hitting people for blood levels of THC and all that bullshit. Okay. And are you pro or against that? I'm very against that. Okay. Because there's no, there's no way to quantify. They haven't come up with a way to measure and quantify how THC blood levels directly correlate you are in the moment because THC well, stays in your blood for so long. At this point, the responsible application of the, uh, of the measurement is not necessarily something we can count on. I'm not, in, I would never be anti-legalism uh, interested in just the discourse around weed and the way people talk about it and the way for so long we've been pushing for it to be legalized. That I'm not anti-legalization or, yeah. you know what? I'm, I'm anti-legalization. I'm not anti-decriminalization. Wait, you are anti? No, I thought we were both pro-legalization, no? Well, no, I, no. I've, I've kind of changed my position. I'm pro-decriminalization. Okay. Uh, the difference between decriminalization and legalization is this. 
Now you have Humboldt farmers who have been screaming decol uh, decriminalization for the last 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. Now they're saying they want illegal weed dealers arrested because they're paying taxes and the illegal dealers are not. Okay. And it's an unfair competitive advantage. They, uh, they get to sell uh, weed at much lower prices, blah, 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 blah. So these people now who said they wanted weed decriminalized all these years wanted criminalized for some, right. you know what I'm saying? So right. I, I, I'm, I'm against legalization because if you say it's legalized, that means they're going to find a way to criminalize it for somebody. Okay. You know what I'm saying? There's mm -hmm. going to be an illegal aspect if you say it's legal. So if you just decriminalize it, there's no criminal aspect to it and whatever people do with it is their business. All right. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Charlie, I'll follow up with you offline. You too, Paul. Thanks to you, Shirley. I love everybody. This has been a pleasure. Talk soon, all right? All right, Charlie. This episode of Quest On Media was produced in Richmond, California.